Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sergeant Cynthia Ramirez with 112 Cav. And I am another co-host, Corporal Kyra Pearl with 3rd Armored Corps Public Affairs Office. And I am yet another co-host, Specialist Garrett Daco with 11th Signal Brigade. And you're listening to Fort Hood's Great, Great Big, Big Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back. All right, we have two awesome guests with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Hi, I'm uh, Captain Jethan Sajan. I'm the Assistant Brigade Engineer also at Iron Horse, and uh, he's my uh, Brigade Engineer. Major Ryan Kim. I'm from Iron Horse Brigade. I'm going to go be Thunder Horse 5 uh, coming up, and I'm glad to be here. Oh, wow. Congratulations on <laughs> the the projected um, position, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Going to be the, the new XO over there. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. Well, this month is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, that is why you're both here, correct? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, so why did you join the Army? Sir, you want to? Okay, I guess I can take <laughs> the lead. Um, so uh, probably a little cliche uh, as a kid. You know, I think a lot of kids like playing with a little up epistles and stuff, but that uh, just sort of inspired my curiosity. And then uh, when college came around, I was uh, looking at good ways to pay for college, uh, and the Army was an excellent opportunity. Uh, it's something that I was very interested in, uh, just uh, as from being a kid, um, and uh, just took that opportunity, ran with it, and I've had a really good time so far. The reason why I joined the Army is because I really wanted to serve uh, my community. So you know, my, my parents, my grandparents immigrated over from, from Korea, and uh, we found a great home here in the United States. And you know, we, we've always wanted to give back to the community in our, in our own ways. And the way that I wanted to give back to the country that I love is to serve in the Army specifically, not... <laughs> Uh, and, um, and also I wanted a way for, uh, to, to pay for college as well. So just wanted to figure out how to go about doing that. And I, uh, I decided to go the, uh, the academy route. So what does it mean to you to serve as an Asian American or Pacific Islander? I'd like to start off that, uh, it's an honor to be in this interview. Uh, it's an honor to be representing, such a uh, a proud and um, um, spirited uh, group of group of people, uh, Asian American Pacific Islanders, uh, and even though we only make up six percent of the army uh, as a whole, um, I feel like our contributions are are very great. As Major Kim said, uh, thanks again for having us on this podcast. Great honor um, as a uh, as an Asian American and as a South Asian, we're uh, very small minority uh, of the people who serve. Uh, personally, met maybe a handful of officers who are Indian, um, and uh, a couple also enlisted. Um, it's uh, great to represent such a small community. Uh, there's a lot of service that comes over from India. Uh, a lot of people who served in the Indian Army. And also uh, starting to have more people serve 
uh, in the U.S. military as a whole. So it's uh, it's great to be able to transfer that knowledge to whoever's trying to join or whoever has questions about the military. And uh, just uh, transferring that knowledge is probably the best thing about uh, being uh, an Asian in the South Asian in the Army. Do you hope to inspire young leaders, or has anyone told you how you haven't inspired them? I know you're both, like, officers, so that's a pretty high thing, at least from my point of view, is a little E4. I, I hope that uh, my actions and my leadership style is inspiring um, younger Asian-American Pacific Islanders to, to, to join the military uh, and to, to be able to serve um, this new home that, you know, the United States. And I hope that, you know, some, sometimes it can be, um, sometimes it can be tough um, being a, an Asian American officer, knowing that you look around you and you see these junior enlisted or NCOs or even junior officers looking up to you and, and just and just watching what you're doing and um, you're just you're just hoping that you're you're putting on a, a a good example for them to follow. That sounds like a lot of pressure, honestly. It it can be, um, but a lot of the times you don't you don't think about it too much. So that, I mean, obviously we're thinking about it right now and we're reflecting on it. But you know, once you, once you're on the team and you're working with your your group of officers and NCOs and soldiers, uh, you kind of forget about it. But in the back of your mind, you're always like, hey, you know, I hope that I'm bringing honor to a very proud group of people, Asian American Pacific Islanders. Uh, Like Major Kim was saying, I I think uh, it's not that hard to – inspire people if you're just doing the right thing all the time uh and you'll just run into people that you may inspire i'm not saying i inspire people but uh there's i was at ntc last month and i was just giving my final evaluation for the company not evaluation but just my overview of their uh actions and uh after the little uh speech uh one of the soldiers came up to me it's like Hey sir, are you are you Indian? I'm like yeah, it's like then we looked at each other's last names and figured out we're from the same state, and it's just like just doing your normal job. Sometimes people see what you're doing and may be inspired, may may see that there's somebody in higher positions in that same unit and that they can aspire to at at some point in their lives. So. How long have you both been in the military? I've been in the military for about. 12 years coming up um, May 22nd will be my 12 year mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm at about six, just over six years. Shout out to first team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to first team. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really humbling to, to meet these or, or to see these people. Uh, and, and you know, I don't have to be the one that's paving the way history i can i can follow in other people's footsteps Mm -hmm. that makes sense the army is always evolving and you've both been in for a significant amount of time um have you experienced any adversity during your army career uh in regards to being an asian american no uh 
not not any adversity. The army itself provides enough adversity for you to get through, like on a monthly, daily basis. Uh, so the whole race culture thing hasn't been an issue for me. Uh, everyone's integrated really well in every single unit I've been in, uh, even uh, on deployment. Uh, we had a lot of different ethnicities, cultural backgrounds, people from all over the world, uh, people who just immigrated here, uh, and everybody integrates really well when the pressure's on, you have a mission to accomplish, and nothing else really matters at that point. Uh, it sort of becomes like a brotherhood or sisterhood. I mean, if there's females, which we actually did have females in our platoon too. So it, it everybody just melts together, and no one really thinks about your background or anything like that. It's just you got a mission to accomplish, and then you learn things about people you work with, and you take that hopefully for the rest of your life. You, you have a little bit more cultural expertise maybe you learn a little little bit of somebody else's language or figure out what other people eat for dinner which is you know it's great the small things yeah that's what matters uh do y'all have any traditions you celebrate or observe related to your cultural backgrounds yeah so for for me um my i'm korean american and my wife is vietnamese american so we have a, a meshing of, of different cultural things that we celebrate in my household. Uh, one of the ones that we both have that we get to celebrate together is uh, the Lunar New Year's. So um, pretty huge, a lot bigger holiday, I would say, in, in the Vietnamese culture, but also we celebrate in the Korean culture. And you know, um, for that, for the, the Korean side, we do the uh, a ceremony where we bow and we we ask for uh, blessings for the New Year's, and then we are given red envelope with money in it, basically to oh, wow. to wish us goodwill. And uh, and it's a, it's the same thing and similar thing in the Vietnamese culture. They give out red envelopes of money, and uh, the idea is that you know the more the more you give uh, to to um, you know your your younger relatives. The more uh, luck you're going to have throughout for that New Year's, uh, that that year, mm-hmm. that year. Does uh, training exercises ever um, interfere with that with the celebration? Uh, sometimes, but we just work around it, just like any other one. We might celebrate it the weekend before or the weekend after. Um, we're we're pretty flexible. We don't have to do it on on okay. the actual day. Um, I mean, it's just part of being in the army. Yeah. No, definitely. So. And when is that holiday? Uh, it's usually around February time frame, since okay. it is the lunar cycles, so they don't always fall in the same time. That makes sense. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we have something too. Uh, so, uh, just going into a little bit, India. Uh, every single state has its own little culture. Uh, everybody speaks a different language. Um, so my state, small little state in southwest of uh, India, it's called Kerala. Uh, we have uh, one tradition that I think sort of sort of symbolizes like uh, unity or maybe like everybody celebrating somebody else's culture. Uh, so the primary religion there is Hinduism. Uh, I'm actually Christian. 
but there's one holiday we all celebrate. It's called Ornum. Uh, it's uh, celebrating this uh, king that's returning back to uh, he, he basically sort of sacrificed himself for the good of the people. And on this day we celebrate as Ornum, he comes back um, to uh, see his people and rejoice with them. So uh, we all dress up in our traditional garb, uh, and then everybody, the whole family, gets together. They paint the sidewalks, uh, and then we all sit for this huge feast. So everybody gets like gets on the ground, cross like uh, cross legged, and then they put a banana leaf in front of you, and then somebody goes around and serves you rice and all the side dishes, and you like eat till you're can't breathe anymore <laughs> and uh, that's pretty cool everybody it's it's a annual tradition so uh it's it's pretty cool when, when i get to actually go home and uh, celebrate that one of the traditions that we uh celebrate in the korean american culture or the korean culture is uh, 100 days uh 100 days of life so it's basically when your your baby uh hits 100 days um so the backstory is uh, Korea used to be a developing country. I mean, following the World War II and the Korean War, it was pretty, pretty tough. Uh, but even before that, it was pretty tough. Uh, so infant mortality was pretty, pretty high. They didn't really make it. So, um, but at 100 days, they're more likely to make it out of infancy. So we, we throw a party, we get together, uh, we have cake, and we have some some fruit that we that we basically tower up, and then uh, we have a nice party, lots of food. Uh, maybe not a huge feast, <laughs> but uh, it's it's really good to to remember these these different traditions because it, it's your connection to um, basically where you came from. So. Yeah. I'm an expecting mother, so that hit me in the heart. Oh, <laughs> that sounds so cute. How many um, days do y'all get to go? Or, like, do y'all get enough time to be able to go back to y'all's country to go for these traditions or just go to see, like, family? Uh, so, at least for me, um, about most of my first cousins, first aunts and uncles, they're all in the States. Okay. Um, they are situated throughout uh, the United States, and then I do have um, family that I keep up with in Korea. But... Uh, um, I would say a lot of the people that I keep in touch with are in the States. So uh, going back to Korea, uh, it's it's actually very difficult <laughs> <laughs> to go back to Korea, uh, mostly because you have to have quite a bit of time off. Mm -hmm. And um, even when you go back there, uh, I have a fairly large family, I guess. Uh, I have three daughters, so it's hard to travel with that many people. Yeah, I'd say same with me. It's I, I was born here and. My family moved here in the 80s, so most of my family is here. I have uh, my grandpa and one of my uncles that still lives in India. But uh, we celebrate everything here. Uh, every Everything that's, like, pretty prominent in our culture, we celebrate where there's, like, a big community. Um, home's Florida for me, so whenever I get to go back home, well, whatever falls on when I fall, uh, go home is pretty much what we celebrate. Oh, yeah, that makes complete sense is it uh i guess i mean it would be so cool i know korea specifically at least is a very easy duty station to get stationed at does have you ever been stationed there sir i, I have not been stationed over there it's 
the times where I was uh, thinking about going to Korea, they, they actually didn't have any slots. So Oh, wow. maybe uh, it's just my MOS. I'm signal. So <laughs> they need us all the time over there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, I, I've been over there for when I was a when I was a cadet. I did go over there for a CTLT um, was at Camp Hovey for a couple of weeks. For um, our civilian audience, could you please elaborate? I don't I don't think I even know what that abbreviation means. Uh, it's cadet troop leader training. Uh, and basically, as a um, as an ROTC or a uh, West Point cadet, you get sent over to shadow a second lieutenant who's a platoon leader uh, to get an idea of what it's like to to be a platoon leader in different MOSs. Um, so I went over and I followed an armor officer around who was a platoon leader. Wow, that is so cool. No wonder I had no idea. It's all about officers. <laughs> I remember no, when I was in Korea, we saw a lot of the cadets come and watch us do our training at Gunnery. Yeah, we, we, I've seen a couple even here at Fort Hood. Uh, we get um, we get uh, cadets that come down here, and we, we link them up with some of the, the platoon leaders mm-hmm. and have them follow them around. So why do you think it's important for the Department of Defense or the DOD to recognize observances like this month? I think it's important to observe these months um, to bring ourselves back and remember that the army is made up of people and they're made up of a diverse group of people. And um, to remember that each one of these groups of people has brought a very unique thing to the military and uh, it allows us to highlight their contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, without it, we might forget uh, that you know there are so many people out there that have um, have served and have have given these contributions. Uh, so one of the one of the units that I always br- always remember is uh, the 442nd Infantry Regiment. Uh, they're made up of mostly second generation Japanese Americans during World War II, uh, and most of them came from Hawaii, and then uh, a portion of them came from the West Coast, uh, and they were put in, the ones on the West Coast, a lot of them have families, or they were themselves in uh, incarceration camps. So, and, you know, they they put together this unit, um, the Go For Broke unit, Go For Broke uh, regiment, and they're one of the most decorated um, military units in in the United States Army, yeah. um, and I feel like we, if we don't have these heritage months, we might forget their contributions, uh, and it also allows us to highlight that. I'm learning so much today. <laughs> that was that was good. Yeah, good. Uh, I I, I got to go along with what the major said. It's uh, it's a great time to show people or show people who may be even interested in like service that there's more like a great array of diversity in the military. So they are not like shy to like come in or like be afraid that they may be the only one. Um, personally, I didn't really know that there was that many Indians in the military or even any Indians in the military. Uh, I saw this article when I was like, uh, I think it was maybe a freshman in college uh, it was uh, this captain at the time. I think he's a major now. 
but uh, it was uh, his name was uh, Captain Singh. He was the one, one of the I think the first one to go to court to get his uh, head uh, headdressing or his turban approved for military service. And I saw him. He was like had an engineer pins on his collar and uh, ranger tab. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Like I didn't I didn't even know they existed in the army. And there's this guy who's ranger tab and like doing doing living life and uh i was like i can go do that too if he can do it mm-hmm. um and uh it just also that highlights that you can get over any sort of adversity i mean that's i think practicing religion is a pretty big deal uh there's people who practice all sorts of religions in the army and he was able to get his religious exemption approved he can wear a beard now which looks amazing i got to mm-hmm. say uh and his turban uh, and uh, it's a uh, it's a great story, and I think uh, stuff that like that should be highlighted, and so people can know. So, is there anyone else who inspired you through your uh, military career? Personally, uh, growing up, I, I didn't know that many people in higher ranks in the army or the U.S. Armed Forces, but uh, my family actually has a pretty uh, extensive uh, military history. Uh, my uh, grandpa was in the Indian Air Force. My grandma's brother uh, actually ran away from home to join the Indian Army at like 16 or something. Uh, and then my mom was a uh, Army nurse in the Indian Army. Uh, then after we got here, actually I had an uncle in the Indian Air Force too. And then after we got here, uh, my uncle joined the Navy and he actually was in the Gulf War uh, back in 91, right before I was born. Um, and uh, And then... There's a couple other people, but it's. Uh, I think I took inspiration from my family more than anything else. That is a lot of family. I definitely understand. <laughs> I would say I would get. Um, I would say one of the people that inspired me um, growing up was uh, General Shinseki. He was also one of the commanders of of uh, First Cav Division back in the day, and you know when 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 I walked through the halls of division, you know, I, I see him up there in his BDUs and he really paved the way uh, and, and showed that, you know, he, he came, he went up to be the chief of staff of the army. Oh, wow. Uh, and he's a great inspiration because it shows that, you know, even though we, we're, we only make up 6% of the army, you know, there's ar- already people that have, you know, rose up the ranks all the way to four-star general. And it's comforting to know that I'm not the only one trying to make my way through the Army and, and make... Um, uh, I would say uh, if you're Asian-American considering joining the military uh, and you're afraid of any anything like uh, not being accepted into a unit, it's not, not a thing I've experienced, not a thing I've seen, not a thing that's tolerated, especially at the leader level or... If I was the platoon leader or the commander, if if I noticed that, that's not something that would be tolerated. But at the same time, I've never seen any soldiers who did that. Uh, people generally are really open to all sorts of cultures and backgrounds. Um, and uh, honestly, have seen a lot of Asians uh, in units, especially enlisted. Um, there's plenty, uh, plenty doing their good, great jobs in the Army. So I wouldn't. I don't be shy to join. 
for anybody that's thinking about joining the the military that are Asian American Pacific Islanders, I would say that um, my time in service, I find that the Army embraces diversity. Uh, I see that I am, you know, I make the organization better. So, you know, if I were being a, being a Korean American. I would go to Korea or serve in uh, in Asia. You know, I'm a I don't, I don't know if the term is force mul- multiplier, but uh, <laughs> it definitely helps to connect with the people that you're you're serving with. Uh, and so, I would I would I hope to dispel uh, any any fears that sh- um, people might have in coming in thinking that uh, they're going to be treated any any differently. Uh, I feel like the Army is grounded in the idea of respect, and, uh, and we go through these shared hardships, and people learn through these shared hardships, whether it's an NTC rotation, National Training Center rotation, or a uh, deployment overseas, you know, we're a brother and a sisterhood that we come together and we help each other out because that's all we have when we're doing these exercises or when we're deployed. And you quickly see that it doesn't matter what you look like. And you quickly see that each one of these people that come together that are from these different backgrounds have something special that make U.S. Army uh, stronger. I got to agree with the major on that. Uh, Asian Americans or any cultural diversity is a perspective that the Army needs uh, just from personal experience, like just being deployed in Afghanistan. Uh, I didn't really even know this at the time, but their culture is extremely similar to North Indian culture. Their food's extremely similar. They, they even uh, watch Bollywood movies uh, and they had like Hindi songs. I don't, no Hindi per se, but they had Hindi songs on the radio. Uh, so it's uh, it's a perspective, especially when you go to different countries and you have to do different missions at, with different mission sets. Every perspective is important and it can be value added to the mission. I love those answers so much because we hear all the time in EO, you know, strength and diversity. It's one of their catchphrases that I love, honestly. Um, but I love your insight on how diversity can be a strength and is a strength it it, it truly is it's what makes us it's what gives us the edge Mm -hmm. i mean you look at who's in this in this room right now i mean each one of us brings a different perspective and if we are all just one one type you know how can it's it's harder to connect with other people from the different cultures that we are serving in i mean in the places that we're serving in is there anything else that either of you would like to add? I'd like to also add uh, Memorial Day is coming up, and uh, we'd like to recognize uh, everyone who's uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, in, in service, um, along with uh, some Asian Americans who have served in the military, uh, going on uh, a long time now. Uh, just reading back into it, it's... Uh, 1918 World War One. There was Indian Americans serving in the military, and I never knew about it. Um, so it's it's great to just know that, and 
just pay tribute to everybody who's served and paid that sacrifice. The other, the other thing is, um, I know we're celebrating uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, but uh, I'd also also like to remember that, you know, when you're when you're talking to people and you're asking where they're from, like, we're all from somewhere in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from originally Mississippi, so mm-hmm. like, you know, we we do bring more than just our Asian American culture. We also bring where we are regionally in the United States. So um, we are just as much of an American as anybody else. Yeah. No, definitely, 100%. Well, I just wanted to thank you both for coming on today. This was all about celebrating people and the background and how we are more than just our uniform. And I'm glad you also mentioned we are more than just our where our family is from as well. Uh, so thank you both so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Flash floods in Central Texas happen within only a few hours of rain. Every year, more than 80% of flood fatalities involve vehicles, and about 10 people drown in their vehicles each year in Texas. Vehicles of every size can lose control, float, and roll over in flood conditions. Is taking the risk worth it? Is it worth the risk of leaving loved ones behind? Overconfidence kills. Don't drive through flood water. It's not worth it. You know, I do have to say, I just learned a heck of a lot during that interview, and I am so glad they tied it back to history because history is one of my favorite things. I always forget that oh you're a history gosh. buff. To I'm be a honest. total <laughs> history buff. I well, love I mean, it. You don't like books. So like, how can you really love I, history? Okay. Okay. If... Okay. Time out. I do like books, but they <laughs> if are they're his, audio they're books. History. No, they're history books. Oh really? Yeah. I love history books. Okay. I'm reading one. Well, okay. To your, to your point, I'm listening to <laughs> you're one listening right now, to one. Okay. But it is still a history book. Touche. Ties into history. Touche. I'm not going to lie. History is like one of my worst subjects. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. It's so, it's so easy. Know, it already I happened. Know, <laughs> I know. I know. I just could not get into it. I'm not really big into history either, but that also is why I learned a lot during this interview. Oh, I was okay. just sitting there like, oh, wow. Good. There you go. <laughs> Literally, so though. we can learn. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of history, uh, we have a very important holiday coming up yes, this weekend. Yes, we do. It is Memorial Day weekend. Um, and actually, today, the uh, Memorial Remembrance Boot Display is going to be out on Tadowski Field right outside Three Corps. Um, there are 7,800 boots, which are representing the lives and paying tribute to service members from all branches, just in general nationwide. It is an amazing display. I know First Cab and Fort Hood have put so much effort into putting out those boots. And sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to forget. Eleven Signal helped <laughs> prepare the boots. Thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and that display will be up from the 26th, which is today, all the way through the 31st. Um, so make sure you get out there and, you know, just pay tribute and honor the service members who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Right. Right. And... Please stay safe. It is a four-day weekend. Enjoy yourself. Relax. Decompress. And it is also the end of the month. Speaking of end of the month, the last day of this month is actually my birthday. Oh, Just thought I'd mention it. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. I'm going to be old. 
<laughs> not actually. I'm just kidding. No. Oh, did I make you feel old for a second? You a little bit, a little bit, just a tad. Well, you know what else happens at the end of the month? What? Traveling soldier. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, it and is that time of the month. It is, and with us we have a very special guest. Hi, it's Blair again. Hi, Blair again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where did you, you go this month? I went to uh, our last two stops in College Station. Um, the Museum of the American GI, uh, the George H.W. Bush Presidential Library Museum. Oh, wow. That's so a mouthful. Two museums? <laughs> yes. We were just talking about history. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I went up to Waco for um, to go to uh, Magnolia at, um, that's not how you say it, it's Magnolia Market at the Silos. Ooh, um, that is a so, really pretty name. Yes. Fixer Upper Fans. Yes. You know. So it's a Texas staple here in Central Texas, but the museums. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'll start with the um, George Bush Museum first. So um, they recommend that you allot an hour and a half if you're going to go visit this museum, and uh -huh. I can attest. We, we as in me and my roommate, we rushed <laughs> through it, and we thought we were going to, you know, prove them wrong like oh no we're gonna blow through this there's no way <laughs> it know, takes an hour and no, a half no yeah no it's an hour and a half oh and what? we rushed there were people there reading every little thing so ah. if you're doing that you're probably gonna spend three hours easy wow. but That's crazy yes it's it's gigantic it's on the uh texas a&m campus um it's obviously he was from texas mm -hmm. so um a lot of people here are very, very proud of the Bush family, yep. um, being us proud Texans. So, <laughs> um, but you know, they kind of start at the very, very beginning of his life. I mean, as a baby, and oh, then wow. um, they jump you into his military career, and then his run or multiple runs in politics for um, different offices. Um, it sounds so in depth. It really was like <laughs> <laughs> the. Um, they had a lot of big things to look at as well as a lot of tiny things. So like they had his first like family car um, in there to see a lot of the exhibits were built like some of the um, famous buildings in Washington, D.C. So there's like a mock of the Capitol building and then there's um, the White House. You can like walk into it. There's exhibits in there. There's a yeah cool. mock up of the Oval Office. So you can sit. Wow. Pic you can take pictures at the desk if you want. Oh. That is yeah. so crazy. <laughs> what the heck? Dang. Yes. So um, oh, I need to go here. Yes, and they've got you know even when he ran for different offices, they've got small things like campaign pins mm -hmm. and just tons and tons of things to see. That is crazy. Yes, pins. Mm -hmm. I feel like those get lost so easily. How did they? Yeah. <laughs> how did I, they preserve that? I have no idea. Historians. <laughs> The amount of work that went into this museum and its mm -hmm. layout is very um, obvious, like right the second you walk in the door. Um, the staff is very, also very passionate about the Bush family. One lady was like, oh, I just read a book about the family. And I was like, you, that's like extra work for you. <laughs> like you go home, oh, I'm going to read about, you know. So they're very friendly, very, very knowledgeable. Um, they, one thing that stuck out to me, um, this is, a uh, like, if you are 
vision impaired or you need like an audio element to stay engaged, whatever. There's a lot of audio elements for you. Lots of, oh, push this button and we'll talk to you, you know, stuff like that. Um, a lot of the recordings were like, people in this generation worked hard and people of this generation did this. And uh, I was like, well, daggum, I feel pretty bad about myself, you know? So that kind of like was a, you know, something that kind of got under our skin a little bit. Yeah. But um, my favorite exhibit was um, they had a room full of things that he and his wife received from other uh, country leaders. Um, Tons of things. There was like a a Bible that was like made with some metal and mother of pearl in there. It was like, <laughs> yeah, and then a solid gold like mock up of a oh wow a temple or something, and the, yeah, like crazy things Just like to see. Really intricate. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So things that represent that country and their culture. Um, it's a common thing. This is one of my international business classes I did in college. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a common thing. He gave out stuff that represented the U S or some of his favorite things about the U S yeah. there, you know, this doesn't compare to the 24 karat gold <laughs> thing, but he was like, here's some tennis balls. I love to fish. So here's fishing gear, here's you some, know, here's some golden barbecue. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that his was family had to be so involved with the creation of this museum though, because that's insane. Yeah, probably so. Cause I mean, it was very, very detailed, not just the politics side, but also him as a person there. And they even have his first fishing boat. That is so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, they, uh, it's a good balance of personal and politics. So that way you don't have to get too deep into that if you're not that type of person. (laughs) I'm not. So it was still interesting to kind of see and just to appreciate the amount of detail that went into everything. And you had to go through two museums this month. That is so much work. (laughs) Okay. So, also in College Station is the Museum of the American GI. So, um, on my trips home, it's like right off of the highway. So I've passed it for years. And I'm like, why is this museum just in this like warehouse <laughs> looking building that's kind of creepy? No, they have several full size, fully operational tanks. What? They, they do demonstrations with these tanks every tanks. so often. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, we said one at the same time. <laughs> but, you know, it's full-size tanks they do stuff with them it's fun so that That whole cool though warehouse houses them um for you to go look at and then they'll post on their facebook page and stuff when they do demonstrations but yeah so that's why it's in a warehouse but i had an unexpected family tie what yes so the most impressive exhibit to me (laughs) to me to me was the um is the texas vietnam heroes exhibit um it consists of 3417 dog tags of vietnam veterans from texas or soldiers from texas who were either missing in action never found or killed during vietnam so it's kind of humbling if you think just from texas there were over 3,000 people but my great uncle doug uh (laughs) he Uh, my family's, um, even my great aunts and uncles, he was one of nine. So I've been told about my uncle Doug and, you know, 
from everybody. So I was like, oh, I wonder if he's in here. And sure enough, I found his dog tag. You went through 3,000 dog tags? Well, thankfully, (laughs) they've got it organized, like A through D, you know, whatever. So um, I got to narrow it down a little bit. but (laughs) Slightly. (laughs) Yes. And they also have um, names listed on the bottom of the exhibit, too. So you have full names, too. That's such an amazing tribute, honestly, though. Yes. So it uh, it was cool. Had little orange Texas on it. Um, and his, they have the, the rank, the name, their listed hometown. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that was it. They, uh, and it's all branches of service. It's not just army. He was in the army, but, um, they, they also have ones that are black and that represents the people that went missing. Mm-hmm. So there's also a distinction there. But it took, it was two Marines, Marine veterans from Vietnam that put this together. It took them over 400 hours to do it. So, yeah. Two people did the entire, Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Goodness. So, it was really cool. I got to um, call my great aunt Peg, who was his sister, um, on the phone and show her. Yeah. Oh, that's so emotional. Oh, my gosh. Yes. They let me put his picture in the paper right (gasps) next to it. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you can see my Uncle Doug if you look up the article on forthoodsentinel.com. Or if but, you know, <laughs> in person. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that was cool. It was uh, unexpected and, you know, kind of cool to have a family tie to something. So, yeah. That is Just so in cool. time for Memorial Day, too. Exactly, yeah. That's Aww. perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm too pregnant for this. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle is real. Honestly, though, that mm-hmm. is so amazing. Yeah. Um, just because they got the big stuff too, that doesn't mean there's not any small stuff. They've got like a, uh, you walk up some stairs and there's like a loft area that wraps around the warehouse. So you can see different uforms from different branches and different, you know, timelines and oh, that's all favorite. of that. Those are my favorite right there. Yeah. I love seeing that. They had some cool, um, I think it was army nursing uniforms. They were Ooh. cool to look at, you know, I was like, I could never pull that off, you know? <laughs> But, you know, it was, they were cool. They were really cool to see, and they've got a lot in there to see. So that was, it was nice to kind of finally go inside of this place that I've seen for so many years and just been like, oh, I wonder what that is. That's so great. You've seen this place for years, and you never knew that a piece of your family was inside of it. That is Mm -hmm. insane. Yeah, it was literally insane. Yeah, (laughs) it was really cool. cool. What the heck? Um, and then you said there was somewhere else that you went as well? Yes, uh, Magnolia Market at the Silos. That yes. sounds so yes. pretty. I've never heard of it, but the word Magnolia just sounds so oh, aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the southern flower, Magnolia. Yep. So, like, um, fans of Fixer Upper will know Chip and Joanna Gaines. Um, they're from Waco, um, and that's where this place is. Um, they've got shops there. And, again, if you've watched Fixer Upper, they have a certain aesthetic. It's been described as modern, rustic. Um, Everything from the buildings to the things, you like the walkways, the gardening, like everything. (laughs) Each blade of grass. Yes, (laughs) matches and goes with their, you know, signature aesthetic. So you can just tell. That is so cool, though. Yes, and it's a good family-friendly place. They've got, um, like, there's an open kind of grass area in front of the silos. 
They've got little soccer balls and kickballs. If you've got little kids, they've got cornhole. Um, they've got food trucks that are there all the time. Uh, you got to look up the hours because on some weekdays, it's different hours. Like sometimes they're not open for like dinner. Hmm. But um, they've got food trucks. So you can spend like an entire day there if you wanted to. Oh, oh yeah. And like, I mean, they've got home improvement stuff, decorations, full-blown furniture, <laughs> um, the shirts, the mugs, the hats, the kitchen. They got um, all the merch. Yes. All of it. All Everything. Of it. Yeah. My favorite part. Okay. I love sweet stuff. This is not oh, a yes. secret. Yes. I know exactly where you're going with this. I have this. no idea where you're going with this. Okay. The Silos Baking Company. <gasps> Uh, which actually I, th- I found this was interesting. I didn't notice this before. Um, the building that the baking company is in is like a hundred year old building. And that's what uh, Chip and Joanna initially were going to buy. They inquired about buying that building and the person was like, oh yeah, the silos behind it come with it. So oh, like wow. these two gigantic silos behind <laughs> it, you know, and it's like, what are we going to do with that? <laughs> so that's where, the baking company is, and they have the best cupcakes of all time. Yes, they do. <laughs> the best. Because, okay, my roommate is not into sweets like yeah. I am. So when she says she really likes some cupcakes, that means she's got more really merit good. to it. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's not just me saying, oh, these are good because they're full of sugar. No. <laughs> these <laughs> are so so good, and I highly recommend. I might need to check Wait, it out. Wait, you okay? You've been. <laughs> yes, I have. Okay, we're about to learn a lot about you. What's oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, Lord. wait, wait, wait. What's your favorite flavor? Cookies and cream. Oh, my God. Okay. Is that... Is that Was that There's a seasonal a cookie- one? Wait a minute. Is there a cookies and cream cupcake? Is that what I'm hearing yes, here? Yes, I, I think... Okay. I think that's what I had. I haven't had the pleasure of trying that one yet. Okay. And that, that I sounds amazing. I could be totally wrong in thinking of a totally different cupcake, but I think I, that's the one I tried. If well, my, it is, that sounds great. I'm going to say, Mr. Pearl is definitely not a sweets person, but this sounds like I need to go. Yes, and also, it sounds so beautiful. You were just describing the location itself. It sounds like a photo op. So, so <laughs> here's what I'll suggest. Your birthday's coming up. It is coming up. Right. You may need a new coffee mug or, you know, maybe a new uh, photo frame, picture Mm -hmm. frame, you know, something. They have it. Mm -hmm. They have it there in Mm -hmm. a great aesthetic right next to the cupcakes. Mm -hmm. So just saying. Yeah. Honestly, though, it sounded so like they were so detail oriented. You were talking about that. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit of a a type A person, so I really appreciate (laughs) the attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even like the bakery, they wrap their cupcakes special. It looks cute. Wait, what was your favorite? You didn't tell us. Strawberries and cream is like the best one. Huh. My, oh my son God. is addicted to strawberries. I Dude. have to go now. There you go. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, they've got cookies and stuff for those of you that don't really care for cupcakes. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you know, like, <laughs> like a little bit of I shade mean, at the audience. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> like sorry, but not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they've got other options for you if you're not real um, into that. They've got Dr Pepper in glass bottles, and that just that just hits different. So, <laughs> you know, like. It's it's great. It's great. And I highly, highly recommend checking it out. All right. Well, I definitely will have to. <laughs> there you go. I'm going again. I'm going a second time. Like so. literally when my birthday. Weekend, literally this weekend. That's true. Yes. When my birthday comes in July, <laughs> I'm going right back. <laughs> okay. And yes. I'm getting more cupcakes. Okay. Yeah. 
So I made an excuse one year. Uh, I went there to buy my mother a gift because that is one of her, uh, what is it, Fixer Upper mm-hmm. is the show? Yeah. It's one of her favorite shows. Oh, yeah. She watches it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went there and immediately walked in. And I'm like, if I could afford everything, I would. this would be my mom's house. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just plant it in California. That's where my mom lives. Yeah. Um, but I, was, I mean, I got to go back because I need to buy her like six other things that I saw when I was there. Because I'm like, that's her, that's her, that's, that's her, her, that's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, even if it's not your aesthetic, you can appreciate. Oh, it's still gorgeous. Like, it's great stuff. Yes, like really you could is. do a photo shoot inside the main gift shop at the, like the kitchen display. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, everything is photogenic. And like, Might just bring at, a camera. My son, yeah. <laughs> take photos of him. Yes, it'd be perfect. Yeah, just as a photographer, that's like, yeah. how do you do that? You know, it's it's a lot of work. So it's definitely well. It's so cool that you can see the people. I don't remember their names. Chip <laughs> and Joanna. You can see their like influence on their mm-hmm. building. Yeah, that is so cool. All right. Well. Thank you very much, Blair, for coming us coming on today and no problem. teaching us a little bit about history and where to get some amazing cupcakes. Yes. <laughs> All and right. uh, I guess we'll see you guys next time. See you guys. podcast is a U.S. Army Garrison Fort Hood and Fort Hood Public Affairs production. The show's theme music is written and produced by Delicious All-Stars. All our music is obtained through Filter by Song Trader. Have a question or want to share some insights with us? Email us at forthoodpao at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at USAG Fort Hood. And as always, Be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.